Has anyone ever told you about your kids? Just wait until they're teenagers. I've totally heard that line before. And I always wonder, why do people speak that way all the time about teenagers? I feel like we set them up for failure before they even begin. I love this episode with a new friend and coach, Christy Davis. She specializes in coaching parents on how to parent teenagers. We discuss how our roles change as our kids get older and ways we can shift and adjust our parenting when what we used to do might need a little tweaking. We also discuss how you can define your success as a parent. And for me personally, I realized after our conversation that I parent my preschoolers, I think the same way I parent my preteens, and that might need a little tweaking. I'm excited for you to hear all that Christy has to offer. And when her message resonates with you, be sure to visit her website and click on the work with me tab. She says she has a couple of coaching spots available. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa and I'm a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This week, I have a very special guest, and I am so excited to learn from her. This is Christy Davis. Christy, thank you for being on the podcast today. Yes, I'm excited to be here and to be introduced as so special. That just makes me feel good. (laughs) So Christy, um, I have a friend named Teresa that I just love and adore. And she was always talking to me about her sister, her older sister, and how, and her older sister is Christy, and how she is just parenting goals. That's what she told me last week. She's like, Christy is just parenting goals. She's has raised seven children. I'm going to just read a little from her bio. She's a certified life coach, a podcaster, an author, and a public speaker. She's also a wife, a mother of seven, a grandma, and a follower of Jesus Christ. In a nutshell, I help moms stop fighting with their teenagers so they can love and enjoy them. I love, I love all of that. <laughs> yeah. So the name of my podcast is Liking the People You Love. And I think I feel like we as moms, we don't have a problem liking our people or we don't have a problem loving our people, right? Our husbands and our children and all of our people. But sometimes it's a little trickier to like them all the time. So, yeah, teenagers are kind of my wheelhouse. And maybe because I've been in the middle of so many of them and I've struggled myself and kind of figured out some things that are really helpful for teenagers. So I think it's so great that if we plug into learning from people who have gone before us, like it can, I feel like can really, really make it easier. So as I have kids going, my oldest till be 14 this year, I'm excited to learn some new things from you. Well, and I feel like I had that too, because I was the oldest of seven and some of my siblings were like, my youngest sibling is 16 years younger than me. And so by the time I had little kids, my mom was in the middle of raising a whole bunch of teenagers. And so I watched and learned from her too. So I've done the same thing. That's awesome. I'm, I was also just funny. So I know I am the oldest of nine and mm-hmm. my, I, I was 16 when 
my littlest oh. brother was born. <laughs> so you probably had a lot to watch and learn from too in your family. <laughs> yep. It makes, yeah, you already have a lot of practice going into it, I guess. Yep. Going into motherhood. So let's just jump in. Um, I know we had talked about how it can be a challenge transitioning into like different stages of motherhood or parenthood. Yeah. So just jump right in and. Yeah. So this is actually brought this to mind for me was I was listening to one of your podcasts and I love everything that you guys teach on your podcast about being so intentional. And I was looking back on the early years of my parenting and thinking, Oh yeah, I did that back in those days when everybody would like, I would make a plan and they would all follow it or I would make a suggestion and they would go along with it. Oh, those are the good old days, you know? And so I, it just got me thinking how, yeah, no, I'm still doing those things. It just looks a little bit different when they're all teenagers than it did when they were little kids. And you have, I don't think we mentioned this yet, that you have raised five teenagers. Yeah, so far. I, my oldest is 24 and she's married and she's expecting her second baby. And then my youngest is nine still. So I've got a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old at home. And then I have a 20-year-old who is a missionary right now in Louisiana and a 21-year-old who's up at college and then maybe 22. I don't know. I lose track sometimes. And then my daughter, Rebecca, who lives right next door to me. So cool. So you're still in the throes of it all as well. In the middle of all the things kind of at the same time. Yes. Okay. So how do you what? What do I need to know as Tate gets older? Like, what do I need to start start well, learning? We kind of talked about an analogy that you had heard that I also use that I love so much. And I don't I don't know where it originated, but I heard it from a family therapist who was speaking at an event that I was at on parenting. And he talked about parenting as as like a sports. He used a sports analogy. So when kids are really little. Their coach is going to be like, and you think about a t-ball coach, right? He is right there in the middle of everything. He's like hustling the kids from first base to second base. He's throwing the pitches. He's talking them through everything. He's super, super involved and hands-on. And then at some point, the kids get a little bit older, and then the coach starts to stand on the sidelines, and he's still calling the shots, and he's telling everybody what to do, but he's doing it from a little bit further away. So he calls the plays, and then he sends them in to go execute, right? And then at some point with our kids, we become more of a cheerleader. So we're still really close by. We're watching all the details of what's going on in the game, but it's not really our job to call all the shots anymore. We're we're cheering them on and we're close enough to jump in if they get hurt or something, but we're, we're more of a cheerleader. And then the goal eventually is to work ourselves to the point where we are in the stands where we are their biggest fans and they know we're there and supporting, but we're not really involved in the game unless we're invited, you know? And so I think when kids are little, we get in this habit of being so, so involved in the game. And then we try to maintain that level of involvement sometimes when they become older and teenagers and they really start pushing back. And um, it's going to, I wish that there was a, I wish there was a guidebook that said, okay, at this age, you move to be the coach. And at this age, you start to be the teenager, but it's really so different for every kid. And it's kind of, that's one of the hard things for me that has been the hard things is about parenting teenagers is figuring out what 
my role is and what they need from me. Because I had, like my oldest, she was such a mama's girl, still kind of is. And she would call me from college and say, mom, help me make this decision. I need to know what to do. And at that point, I would say, you're perfectly capable of making this decision. I know you're going to do the right thing. You don't need me. And I would just kind of talk her through that process. And then I had another kid who was eight years old and told me, mom, all you ever do is get in the way. You're just ruining my life. I'm ready to be out of my home. He's like eight. And he thought he definitely thought that he was totally capable of surviving on his own. And I was just standing in his way. So you know, needless to say, my parenting to each of those kids was really different. It's not a one size fits all. I I sometimes wish it was, (laughs) but it's not. My little granddaughter right now is super into Finding Nemo. And there's one point where Marlon says, he's talking to Dude Crush, and he says, yeah, but how do you know when it's time to let your kids swim on their own? He's like, you know, would they know? You know, you know? And so I (laughs) I just think that's kind of that's kind of been my approach is I try and take my cues from my kids. And obviously, I didn't let my eight year old move out and make all of his own decisions. But I did try and give him as much space as I could because he wanted that independence. And I spent a lot of his teenage years as more of a cheerleader than a coach, because anytime I tried to step in and tell him what to do or give him my opinion, he would do the exact opposite. And so I kind of had to be more of a cheerleader for him. And and my main focus was with him was just hanging on to that relationship so that when he made a mistake and he did make some good sized mistakes and then he felt comfortable coming to me and saying, hey, I kind of got myself in trouble here. What do you think I should do? And then he was so much more receptive to my guidance, you know, when he was asking for it. So when he asked for it, he was, he was receptive to. Yeah, totally. Yeah. When I stepped in unwanted, he didn't want to hear it. But when he asked, he was actually really receptive. So. (laughs) This must be like, so, so challenging to be able like, just the transition as being able to see this unfold, like, Hey, there, he's making some decisions that I would maybe advise against, but I just, yeah. There's nothing I can really. Yeah. Really and I, I did usually advise against, like there was no question in my mind where he's, where I stood on any certain issue. You know, if someone were to say, what does your mom think about this? Or what do your parents think about this? He knew. He was, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I couldn't follow him around and nag at him and lecture him because that just drove a wedge. I mean, I did try that honestly, but it just drove a wedge into that relationship and made it harder to have any kind of influence on him. So and to be careful with that. Yeah. Well, good, good job. Like listening to those little cues that they're giving you and, and just well, knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, I don't want to make it sound like I just did it right. The first time there was <laughs> there's always a lot of trial and error. You know, like I said, I, I did try following him around and nagging and lecturing and I noticed it was not working, wasn't getting us where we wanted to be. So that's something huge for me in parenting is being okay with some trial and error, you know? Which, yeah, because there is no, there is no guidebook, like you said earlier about, it's just, it is like figuring it out. (laughs) This, this used to work like last year, this worked. Now it doesn't. 
So now I got to change up my approach or the last kid, this was the best thing for. And this kid is, does the exact opposite. So lots of room for trial and error. Okay. So I'd, I'd like to, I had a, I had a conversation with a friend that I think I'd like to interject here. So last week I was talking to her and her kids are mostly all adults, but she's saying, you know, when, if she's seen some of them make decisions that she doesn't necessarily, it's not really what she has taught them, I guess. Right. What she's having, she's taking all of that on. Like she failed as a parent. Totally. And we were, we were just kind of talking about that. Um, and I'd love to hear your advice about, about that. Yeah. So that's a super common thing that I coach about with my one-on-one clients. So many of them are asking the same question. And I think it's a really valid question. It's an easy trap to slip into because we think the reason that, that this happens is because we think that my, I'll know if I'm a successful mother by how my kids turn out. Mm -hmm. And it sounds harmless, doesn't it? It sounds like it's going to be this, this good gauge of how we're doing, but it's the worst because we cannot control how our kids turn out. Of course, we're going to do our very best, but ultimately, no matter how hard we try, we cannot control them. And so if you want to know if you're succeeding as a parent, you have to be really careful with your definition. Like you get to choose what a good parent is, right? So if my definition is my kids make, I'll know I'm a good parent if my kids make all the choices I want them to, I'm totally setting myself up for failure. So I have decided there are certain things that I I believe are a good mom for me, um, a mom who always loves unconditionally, a mom who teaches the, in the very best and the most creative ways I know how, a mom who models the kind of things I want my children to learn, and a mom who allows my children to be accountable for their own choices and mistakes as much as I can. So I've decided if I'm doing those things, I'm a successful mom because those are always within my control. And then what my kids do, that's going to have to be on them. I've learned not to take credit for any of the good behaviors, right? If somebody tells me, you must be an amazing mom, you've got this great kid. I'm like, "Mm, no, I guess I have this great kid, but I'm not taking the credit because then I know I also have to take credit for all the bad stuff and there's plenty of that. So I'd just rather leave it all on them and me be in charge of my own things that are in my own control. I love, I love how you just so beautifully laid that out. Like what being a successful mother or parent looks like to you. Is that something that you really thought in and like have written down and absolutely. Yeah. I have it all written down. And in fact, that's an exercise that I go through with my clients is I help them do that for themselves. So that's why I have to be so clear on it for myself. Because, yeah, I have put a lot of thought in, into that. It's a very intentional gauge for myself. Because, you know, my brain still does the same thing. Sometimes it will tell me, oh, my gosh, look what this kid's doing. You must have failed somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I have to just redirect myself. No, because remember, this is what a good mom is. And am I doing those things? And so that's where I redirect my energy when my brain wants to panic that some, and tell me that something's going wrong and I'm failing. I love that. And honestly, I've never, never considered like thinking about that. You know, I, yeah, I think Chris and I are intentional about, we try to be intentional about a lot of things, but that is one thing I've never 
thought about or written, wrote down. And I can totally see the value in that, especially as my kids get older and it's not so black and white. Right. Yeah. I would highly recommend that exercise. Okay. That's awesome advice. And something you mentioned a second ago that I also wanted to touch on is loving, loving your child as a parent. Another, another friend I've talked to there, she realized like, okay, same thing. My kids aren't making the decisions that I thought that they would, or I maybe wanted them to. And so she really gets to look at that. Like, am I, do I only love them if they make those decisions that I want them to, or is my love conditional? And it's just been really eye-opening for her to have to really look at and and decide. Yeah. And I kind of think, like, I kind of have decided that the way life is set up the way it is with us parenting children and raising these humans is just as much, if not more, for our benefit than it is for our kids, right? Because when we get to situations like that, it really does challenge our unconditional love, and it makes us dig a little bit deeper and really do some soul searching and see how we're doing in that area. It gives us a chance to practice unconditional love and to get better at it. Totally. So what would be, I know you had mentioned that, you know, as your kids get older, some things in your family culture might need to tweak because like you said, I can't, I used to, or now I can still do this. I can still kind of plan and everyone goes along, but as they get older, you're telling me like, Oh no, that's not going to work as well. So what would you, what's your best advice for shifting family cultures as kids get older? Well, so something, something that I would, that pops to mind first is like family traditions. That was one of the first things to really challenge me is my girls, because my two girls were first and they loved all the traditions and kind of went along with everything. And then I went, then I got one who hated them all and thought that just doing anything for the sake of tradition was dumb. And I could see the value of tradition, but he could not see it. And there was a lot of contention about that. And so I kind of had to pick and choose, you know, they say, they say pick your battles, but I don't love the word battles because I don't like to think of me battling against my child, right? But but we do have to to know why each thing we're doing is important. So for example, there might be a tradition of um, spending New Year's Eve with the family for a long time. That was a big fun tradition. And then my kids got old enough that they wanted to spend it with their friends. And at first that felt really like, no, this is what we do. We're doing this as a family, you know? And and it created more contention than it was worth. And so that was one that I could let go. I had to realize, okay, if my goal is to create family unity, are there other ways to do that? You know, if they're, if they're not liking this way anymore, are there other ways to reach the same goal that they're more willing to go along with? Um, There were other traditions like family dinners, like my kids, I still have those who are fighting against that. They don't want to have to be home at a certain time for dinner or, but that's really important to me. And so I'm trying to hang on to that one. And I just have to get really creative with like, I have to make pizza dogs sometimes for dinner. No, that's not my first choice because I'm, I'm trying to make it appealing for everyone, you know? So just keeping in mind what the goals are and, and if there are certain things that are creating a lot of contention, are there other ways to accomplish those goals? Good advice. Yeah. Okay. Would you, I I would just love to let you give us any 
and any advice or any other any other words of wisdom that you have those are like the things i wanted to make sure and touch on but i know you're a wealth of parenting knowledge so i just love to have hear anything else that you love well, to talk. you know what i would love to talk about for just a second is how i love how you guys do this thing of know who they are love who they are believe in who they are is that the right order yeah good yeah, job totally love that um, something that happens often when kids become teenagers is they, they start being a little bit confused about that, right? They've always known who they are and loved who they are and been part of this family identity. And then all of a sudden they start asking questions about, well, wait, who am I though? Like I'm, I'm separate from my parents and what does that look like for me? And do I even like what my parents choose? And do I want to choose something else? So there's, it's just a time of pretty intense questioning for a lot of teenagers. And I feel like the most valuable thing we can do as parents is to make that okay, to hold space for all of that questioning. Because I see a lot of parents that start to panic when their kids are pushing away from them and trying to just, you know, experimenting with different things and trying to de decide who they are. The parents freak out and decide that that means their kid is going off the deep end or their kid doesn't love them anymore or isn't gonna stay close to the family. And so then the parent shows up as like super needy and panicky and maybe with a short fuse with that kid and kind of you know telling them they're doing it wrong and they try to control the kid to make sure that nothing bad happens, nothing goes wrong. And I would just really advise parents to know that that's normal and it's healthy, if we can show our kids that, yeah, yeah, ask those questions, figure out who you are. I think you're amazing and I have total confidence that you're gonna figure it out and you're gonna become this amazing person. I can't wait to watch what you choose. I can't wait to cheerlead and you know support whoever you decide to be. Then it gives that child space in a loving environment to try and figure that out. It's not so scary for either the parents or the child, right? The parents yeah. can allow some space for that. And I could see, yeah, I could see if they're, if the child were confronted with, like you said, a needy parent at that time, that it would be easy to hide, like hide all these questions or hide all these things. Yeah. Then they're not going to want to come to their mom because they know their mom's already freaked out enough. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to worry her any more than I have to, or I don't want to hear the lecture she's going to give me. So I'm not going to go to my mom. I'm going to try and figure it out with my friends or in this other place. And we always want to be the place that's the safe place for them to come and talk. And how do you make sure that you like maintain that, that you are the safe, the safe place? Well, one of the first steps for me is I have decided to believe that all of my kids are gonna turn out amazing. I don't know exactly what style of amazing that's gonna be yet, but, but I've decided to just believe that because I've noticed when I start, when I see one of my kids making a mistake or what I would you know, decide was a mistake, I see my kid going in a direction that I see will lead to unhappiness. It's easy for my brain to think, oh no, they're headed off the deep end. They're headed for disaster. I better step in and control them so they don't totally mess it up, right? And I don't know that that's true. That's just straight up imagination. That's my imagination going to the worst possible scenario and deciding that that's most likely. And when I'm in that mindset, I do not show up as the best mom. 
that's when I'm sending them these messages of like, oh no, this is scary. You're totally messing it up. You better let me step in and control this because I don't trust you, right? That's the energy that I'm bringing to that relationship, which drives a huge wedge. No child wants to be close to a parent who thinks that about them. And so if I instead have decided to believe they're going to turn out amazing, this is just a lesson that they need to learn, and they're going to learn that lesson, and they're going to be fine, then I can show up, I'm free to show up more as just, like, I'm walking alongside you here. What can I do to help? How can I support you in this? And I know you're going to figure it out. It's just so much more inviting for them to stay close in that relationship. If I'm not freaked out. I like, I like all that. And the language that you use to really empower them. Like yeah. you're going to figure this out. Like, and I'm going to be here with you as much as you need. Yeah. That's really beautiful. We had a, we had a funny story about, <laughs> about not freaking out not too long ago. My, well, it was when my second daughter was a teenager and my husband was giving her a ride somewhere. So she must've been like under 16. So he was driving her somewhere and he said, so what did you and your friends do last night? And she's like, oh, we were just smoking pot. And <laughs> like, <gasps> his first thought was like, oh my gosh, I didn't think it would be my kid, but it, okay, it's my kid. Okay. They always say, you never think it's your kid, but it is. So I'm not, he was like determined not to overreact. So he's like, really? That's interesting. Tell me more about that. And she was like, Dad, you believe me? Like, I was not smoking. (laughs) I would. So it was kind of a a nice trial run for him. He came back. I'm so proud of how I handled that. I did not freak out, even though I wanted to. (laughs) But it was kind of nice that it was just a false alarm in that that particular instance. It was a false alarm. alarm. (laughs) Good trial run. Yeah, a good good job, Dad. That he was able to. Yeah, I gave him a good pat on the back. We have a um. This reminds me of a friend that we have who whose son did start doing drugs, and and um. He tells Chris all the time. He says, "I and you know, quite a bit of time went by, and eventually his son, his son, um, well, his son moved out and just lived this lifestyle that his dad didn't really agree with for a while, but." Eventually he did, he did come back and he did, you know, kind of change what he was doing. But his, he always tells Chris, he's like, the, the reason why is because I didn't like react. Like when I found out he was doing drugs, like I could have just grabbed, like grabbed him in the night and taken him, you know, away somewhere, you know, to try and handle this problem. Yeah. Like without his without his consent. And he's like, I think that that for him, for this child would have been, would have been a mistake. He's like, I stayed there and I loved him. And we tried to, I was always there for him. He knew that. But that's, that's his advice is like, if something ever happens like that, if you ever receive information about your kid, like the best thing you can do is just like love them. Yeah. Not overreact. And it's a, it's a scary way to parent. It does feel scary to let your child make these scary choices and not step in to control it so it's not like it's the easy way out it's maybe even harder to just love them and to stay close to them and and you know ultimately trust them to figure it out on their own it's just it can be scary I love something that you said though that for this child this was the right answer you know and I think I think as parents, we are blessed with 
like an inner wisdom of how to help each of our children. If we are able to stay in a place of, of peace and calmness in our own minds, right? So if we start to freak out, then we get really worked up and confused and it's hard to hear that inner wisdom. If we can stay calm and stay unconditionally loving, I think we'll know what the right answer is for that child. And for somebody else, it might have been the answer to grab them and take them to a rehab facility or whatever. Yeah. I think we'll know if we stay in a place of peace and calm. How do you stay in a place of peace and calm? It, well, so I have to do plenty of work on myself, right? My brain doesn't naturally want to stay peaceful and calm. <laughs> so I try not to act until I've done the work on myself. So I'm not just reacting, right? I give myself space to work through how I want to show up. And for me, it always comes back to my mindset. And it always comes back to those things that I believe. If this child is making a mistake, it's because there's a lesson they need to learn. And they're going to they're gonna turn out to be amazing. And nothing has gone wrong here. This is exactly the experience they were supposed to have. All those, those are the kind of things that I talk myself through to get myself calmed back down. I like that. So it starts, it starts a lot with, with you, with you and I as parents. Always. That's always the, the secret, which sometimes feels like a lot. Like, why does it always have to be me? Why can't they just do what they're supposed to? But yeah. it's also pretty empowering because there's always something that I can do. There's always a place you know, that I can find within myself. If I look, okay, what do I need to change? Maybe I need to be modeling this better. Maybe I need to be more unconditionally loving. Maybe I need to be working on the relationship or there's always something that I can do. Parenting is so confronting. It sure <laughs> is. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> you got to handle, handle your stuff. Yep. And one question that came up for me is you mentioned earlier that teenagers, they want to, you know, explore and kind of create their identity. That's, that's a lot what, you know, growing up is about what, what resources do you, would you suggest to parents as their, say their child is in that, is in that phase of like really discovering a lot of questions? Like, do you have any resources you would recommend? Um, that's a good question. I, the first thing that comes to mind is I have a parenting book that I love and I recommend to anybody who will listen. Um, it's called Parenting Without Power Struggles. Okay. Um, it's by Susan Stiffelman. And I just love her. I just love her philosophy. Um, but again, my work is mostly centered around the parenting mindset. And so that's where most of my resources would be. Um, I, I highly recommend coaching for parents because... For me, coaching is the, the thing that helps me get myself back in the place that I want to be before I go interact with my child. And so that's what I do for my clients is I help get them to that place. And, and sometimes my clients will come to me and say, what should I do about this child? What should I say to this child? And my answer is always, I can't tell you that, but I can tell you how to find that answer within yourself. And this mm. is how we do it, by working on this together. And so... I think a coach is a really valuable resource for a parent. As far as resources for the teens themselves, I know they're out there. I just I don't really have any like a list prepared for you. It's all good. <laughs> um, I'll link that. I'll link that book though in the show notes. So it sounds, yeah, it's a good one. So we're talking about parenting without power struggles. Yeah. 
Um, well, thank you like so much for being here. I, this is really, I really sat here this whole time and thought like, okay, I think it's time for me to shift something. <laughs> you know, I can't parent my four-year-old the same way I'm parenting my almost 14 year old, but I think sometimes I do, it's just easy to like, just try and do it all. Yeah. All to the parent them as a group. Yes. <laughs> so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Like I realized, um, it's a couple of years ago now, but I was putting all my kids to bed at the same time. Like bedtime was yeah 30, but I'm like, I stood back and looked, I'm like, okay, Tate, he was probably like 10 or 11 then. I'm like, he really should have a different bedtime. It, it would make sense that he would have a different bedtime than the two-year-olds. And yeah. <laughs> just, but those, it's just so easy to just keep doing things the same way, but you really have to. And some kids will let you do that for a long time, you know? So if that's working, great. <laughs> we'll let you know in no uncertain terms that you're going to have to change it up for them. Yes. Okay. Would you have any final words of advice? And I'm going to link in the show notes also like where we can um, find your website. And you said you were an author. Like where can we? Well, I just, right now I'm just, I don't have a book yet that's okay. for next year. I just, I just have several small articles published in like Power of Moms published a book and they put some of my articles in there. So most of my stuff is like short stuff, but um, I do have a blog. You can find stuff that I write on my blog. Um, You can find me on Instagram. You can find me at my website and see all the resources there. So, okay, we'll do that. And do you have any, any final words of advice for parents? Um, I think every parent needs to know that they're, they're doing great. (laughs) Every parent needs to hear, like we all mess it up. And so many people are worried that they're messing up their kids because they don't know what they're doing. And here's the truth is that none of us really know what we're doing when we start. We're all figuring it out by trial and error. And for whatever reason, that's the way the system was set up is for every child to be parented by someone who doesn't know what they're doing. That's just, the way it is. And so yeah, it's it's fine. You're doing great. Just keep at it and and give yourself a pat on the back because if you're trying, if they're listening to this podcast, that means they are a parent who is taking their role very seriously and they're doing great. I love that. Thank you. And I, and I agree that it can be easy to get caught up in all the things that aren't going well or the things that I'm not doing right or that I can improve on. So I think that's great advice to take a moment Acknowledge yourself for the things that you are doing. Right. Well, right. So I love that. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. And it's so good to talk to you. You as well. Okay. We'll see you guys next week. Hey there. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To show our appreciation, we want to offer you a free gift. We have an incredible online course you can get now by going to familybrand.com or by following the link in the show notes. And while you're there at familybrand.com, be sure to follow us on social media so that we can go on this journey together. Lastly, if this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you share it with another powerful family in your life and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. We will see you in the next episode.